This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's a... called My Old Man. Ipswich resilient so far. Here's Adoba though, he's through, clips it over the goalkeeper and Villa lead and it's Albert Adoba once again his ninth goal of the season. Quickly scored eight with just 11 shots on target this season. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of My Old Man Said. Joining me, as always, and we are always grateful, it's Dan Rogers of the VillaUnderground.com. Hello, sir. Hello. Nine points, three wins, one week. Oh, this is promotion now, isn't it? Isn't it? Is it? Tell you me think it's guaranteed. It's, Tell it's, me it is. Is it, is it nailed on? Tell me we won't have to play Ipswich again ever. How have you been? The the Ashes is not going too well. Uh, it feels like the nineteen like late nineteen eighties all over again. Listen, it's we like never real... win at the Gabba. We never win at the Gabba. Don't worry about it. Well, yeah, there there is that. There is that. You... The, the other issue is we never win in Australia, but <laughs> we'll overlook <laughs> that. <laughs> Yeah, that is a good point. Do you watch uh, Peaky Blinders by any chance? No, no, no. Spoiler alert! I'm not. I'm not caught up with the seasons. Are you? No. Ah. Don't. Oh no! There was just a great line. Okay. Never thought my high fucking heels from Paris would be stepping through the whole shit of small heaths ever again. We won't talk about it if you uh, don't want to. Yeah. I, I interviewed Mr. Tommy Shelby uh, a couple of times actually, in over the years. I once gave him uh, an album with my friend, an Irish guy called uh, Fionn Regan, who became big. He, he used to hang out with him in Brighton uh, back in the day, and he was a genius. And you just knew you was just say, well, if there is a god, this guy is going to, you know, he's like the new Bob Dylan or something. And if I had interview anybody that was, I knew there was into their music, I would slip him an advance copy of this album, and I uh, slipped Killian Murphy the album. Uh, and he, he actually knew Fionn's girlfriend from acting. She was a theatre actress. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'll uh, I'll give this a spin when I go for a drive. Uh, this is at Cannes Film Festival. And uh, fast forward. 
forward 10 years and Killian Murphy appeared in uh, Fionn's last video, The Meeting of the Waters, for his uh, really? last single. So there you go, Mr. Matchmaker of the Stars. <laughs> right, let's go into, uh, speaking of stars uh, yes. and music, three points this week. Mr. Andre Green is taken to uh, Tickling the Ivories, has he not? <laughs> Do you have to put it like that? The, the, the man's a, an artiste now. Where have you seen this? Because you, you came up with this point. I, I haven't actually seen this. Has he been uh, demonstrating he's got... his twinkle fingers on Instagram or something? Y- yes, he has. I'm, I'm trying to think exactly what he was what he was playing, but it was uh, it was a bit of uh, modern modern classical music, I think is what. Um, imagine, <laughs> John Lennon. Imagine. <laughs> no, no, I forget the artist. I forget the artist. Was, uh, I, think, I think he's got a lot of time on his hands. Is is I think what the suggestion is from in his. Uh, his Instagram. He's, he's learning to play the piano. He's been in America, hasn't he? At uh, Under Armour HQ. Yes, uh, where they've uh, getting back to fitness. Piano. Maybe maybe they got a grand piano shipped out to him so he could uh, crack on with the learning. I remember interviewing uh, Eric Cantona, and when he did that kung fu kick mm. in his when he was uh, serving his ban, he uh, he took up the trumpet. <laughs> well, he did like to blow his own, didn't he? For God's so sake, so he wasn't wasting his time. Actually, I saw that. He was interviewed on BBC and he mentioned that. And it's like, well, yeah, this got that scoop about eight years ago, mate. <laughs> wonder what wonder what instrument Gabby plays while he's injured. <laughs> he, he, he could do a full orchestra. The amount of time he's been injured, he'll be able to... Uh, he can take over from Birmingham Symphony Orchestra. With the new Simon Rattle, is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> he could be like the one-man band with the drum on his back. We would be playing... Did you see that girl he was playing with, Noel Gallagher, recently? She played the scissors. Did you see that? She like a pair of scissors and. No, I saw the I saw the headlines. I've seen I've seen a, a band play live and somebody was on scissors and also saw as well. Somebody playing the saw. <laughs> These could be our secret vocations. We just wouldn't know. Yeah, I mock them, yeah. but well, maybe, maybe Gabby can take up the saw. Well, well, what's John Terry been? John, John Terry hasn't taken up an instrument while he's been injured. He's a fleshy instrument. He's just been living <laughs> the good life. Yes. <laughs> As he demonstrates on Instagram every day. Constantly, yes. Right, point number two. The statistics for, for last season's uh, Arrest League came out. The amount of arrests uh, football fans from all the different uh, teams of every division in England and also the banning orders. Blues, top of the table yet again. Of the 92 league clubs, the Blues got arrested the most. It's like they still think they're the Peaky Blinders, but the thing is, if you're in the Peaky Blinders, the idea is... Is to avoid getting arrested. I mean, I do your crimes, say. make your money, do, you know, do whatever nefarious acts you got to do. But the idea is, you don't get arrested. That's, that's the key. The, the league table is a little bit flawed in the in the sense that yellow, yeah, like you say that the, uh, I don't know, hooligan gangs often operate on. I don't know what the word would be. Being infamous rather than being caught. <laughs> in my experience. <laughs> exactly. They leave their calling card, but not themselves. And I think it says a lot about the fact that the Blues, you know, it's the kind of league that they, I'm not surprised they've won, to be honest. Two years on the trot. They should be into the European <laughs> Champions Leagues of arrests now. Good grief. We managed to finish fourth, which was something that Martin O'Neill couldn't manage, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got the fourth, no, was... fourth most inept hooligans. <laughs> Other teams were Leeds. Actually, no, West Ham were second, to be expected. Yes. Well, probably because of their stadium, turns them angry from the off. Makes them angry. It's all that popcorn that they serve. It's too much sugar. In third place, uh, <laughs> Leeds. Leeds should always be top five. I mean, that dates back to the bloody 70s. Then, obviously, Villa. And then Manchester City, which uh, which was a bit of an odd one. I mean, yeah. I look at Manchester City, and there's two 
distinct Manchester City in terms of fans. There's Manchester City old school mm. who were there, who you know obviously kept following them. Uh, I mean, from the 70s, 80s, and then when they went dropped down a couple of leagues mm-hmm. and find themselves being beaten by Lincoln City. Did they? Which, yeah, this is like in the 90s. Yeah, I was going to say. It's it's, it's almost surreal now. So they're fifth, which is, considering it's all uh, prawn sandwiches up there nowadays, that's kind of a bit uh, bit of a strange one. And the uh, the offence that seems to be the most popular nowadays is throwing missiles on the pitch, which seems to have shot right up. Is this missiles in the true sense of missiles, or is this missiles in the sense of modern football missile, which does include well, throwing your season card in anger? Yeah, but you you imagine the figures next season. Well, for this season, when they when they announce the next season, when they take into account all those paper clappers that Blues fans threw at the the Villa derby. I mean, <laughs> looking looking forward for those uh, statistics. Anyway, let's let's move on. This is one I just I just saw before we started recording. There's a couple of newspapers running with this article where i think was it jeff's jeff stelling made this kind of tirade against stats and overuse of stats and went on a a big rant against expected goals which is a new well it's kind of a newish metric for analyzing football chances that should have been goals i think right so jeff stelling had it just basically saying well you know what what is the point of this well there's a name now for the likes of phil thompson uh paul merson etc proper football men Mm, don't i'm 50 percent split on well, I am, but I'm a statistician. <laughs> Are you? No, it's a joke. <laughs> All right. No. Getting into this culture of binary thinking, where there's only you know there's only two outcomes. Yeah. But you know, proper football men. Phil. T- I mean, this is this thing. A lot no. of players like Phil Thompson, as thick as yeah. as is Merson. And yes, they have experience in the game and they've won things and they should speak from that. But in terms of opinions on how the foot, you know, the game of football evolves, whether it's bringing video technology in, mm-hmm. whether it's a discussion on like foreign managers where, you know, they've been pretty xenophobic in the past. And just because they don't know the name of the, the manager, you know, for example, they gave the Watford manager, you know, a real hard time. And they would rather just stick to your Bruce's, your Allardyce's, uh, Pardew's. I was about to say, I mean, Allardyce isn't. No, actually, I imagine all those managers you've just listed. They would go, "Oh, they're proper. They're proper football men." You know, Allardyce is perhaps one of those one of those managers who he's, he's traditional in the sense of how he comes across, but absolutely notoriously obsessed with stats and was one of the first adopters of uh, of I think it was uh, the the pro system, wasn't it? The the pro stat system. Exactly. Yeah, he was kind of quite a, one of the first people who yeah. was like an op- open advocate for it. And I often think with stats as well, like like I think most reasonable people, like you say, who don't think in this non-binary. Way way that there's you've got to bring some relevance from it it's like you know Barcelona under Guardiola were a, were a possession based attacking team but you could you know then and then Lambert tries to replicate that at Villa Park you know it, it boils down to the statistics in the end where you go hang on isn't our isn't our possession fantastic yeah but we did fuck all with it it's all yeah. it's how you interpret them and it's quite funny when you bring out the stats to say oh, Villa of uh, at the last I mean I'm just making up stats here out of their last six games Villa have won five away and they've they've scored you know X amount of goals and they've and they've kept five mm. clean sheets mm. and then somebody will reply because they want Bruce out and they'll say uh, oh yeah but you can interpret stats to suit whatever agenda that you want the Bruce example is quite good actually because people go but over the last 48 48- games the average <laughs> like what that's like saying over the last 10,000 years there's been one ice age you know and there could be one tomorrow it's just ridiculous stats are also facts yes 
certain facts are relevant. So you know, it's 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 a mixture. There isn't. It's not just the nerds versus uh, the proper football men. It's like you take the stats and use them. I mean, sometimes in mm. football, it's I don't I don't think they're as relevant as in say a game like cricket or uh, mm. NFL or baseball. But you can you know obviously make readings into it. The f- actual clubs have more advanced stats in terms of they know you know how many miles of players run every mm. game and all that kind of stuff, which uh, helps when it comes to fine tuning fitness and also uh, giving players a kick up the ass. Right, on to the game. Yes. You went to Leeds, didn't you? You said was to me it, that you only just made it. Early in the morning, yeah. We're playing Leeds this week, not uh, last week. <laughs> did you make Did you make a mistake? No, no, no mistakes. Were you just wrecking, just wrecking just, your seat? You know, you've got to know your enemy, haven't you? You've got to be on the ground. Full recon. Uh, it was interesting. So in the morning, I, I was um, I was there quite early, and I, I spoke to it was a Barnsley Leeds derby that day. Yeah, early. yeah, because by chance I was dealing with someone who was a Leeds fan, but I also there was a Barnsley fan as well, and they were exchanging a conversation. I mentioned obviously my intention to get back to Villa Park. It was in, and it's interesting to even now after what I consider to be that we've gone through a big transformation how disparaging other t- other other fans are still about the Villa we're, we're terribly scarred aren't we in what respect are well, they disparaging there was a couple of things that came out from the conversation one you southern the, bastards yeah one was the interpretation that we have a bit of a crazy owner to which I went uh, struggled to mount a challenging argument really Now it's time for Twitter with Tony. November 20th. Live fishes will be upstream. Only dead fishes go with flow. Let's stay stronger, stand together and go up. November 21st. Always pleasures to meet youngsters to remind my school memories. November 22nd. Some Villa haters went extremely ugly by spreading rumours around saying I was caught in trouble and escaped away, made public listed companies minor shareholders panic to drop stocks. It's really ugly for those deliberately trying to destroy others. November 22nd. Very brilliant to talk to Prince and Princess, a great couple. A true Villa fan with even more knowledge about our club than me. November 24th. Old bones, but with still young heart. Hashtag OTV. And the other thing really was about how, despite all the investment that we hadn't really gone on to storm, storm the league and yeah, I think the comparison was some of the other teams that are milling around like your, your Cardiffs and whatnot are right up there yeah and Sheffield which is which is fair cop really oh, I think you know they've, they've yeah no own. completely and I think a little bit around how perhaps that we which I didn't think was correct actually and I'll, I'll say in advance was that our belief that we would go straight back up I don't think many, very many Villa fans given how we crashed out of the division thought that it would be a natural bounce yeah. With that said, I, I think we probably could have got up the back end of the bat last year if we'd have if we'd have organised ourselves. We've been over that. Sunderland, yeah, managed it, and they crashed out in the same mm. way, and they also had a change of ownership mm. and manager in the same way we did. So, of course, it's possible. I, I think the the Villa boards uh, expected to go straight back up as well mm. with some mm. of the, the investment they made. I mean, uh, I remember having an exchange with the true Geordie on Twitter because uh, mm. he was saying, you know, your your owners like he's a crazy crackpot. <laughs> 
He said, I think the words are a bit stronger. Who's that crazy fucker you've got, <laughs> you've got <laughs> running your club? That the, the theme, doesn't it, for the fans? And, uh, and there is this thing where, I don't know if it's like where foreign owners are like seen as crazy, mm-hmm. or like, you know, Vincent Tan. Although Vincent Tan, you know, wearing his aviator sunglasses and wearing a Cardiff shirt over a suit or whatever yeah. he was wearing did come across as a bit... Uh, eccentric, I think. Would be the eccentric word. stroke Bond villain. Bond villain. <laughs> It made me laugh, you know, the next day after, I think it was this game, yeah, I think it was the game just gone, Mm. where they started the highlights footage with Tony walking up the side of, uh, I think it was the Trinity uh, road stand, high-fiving all the fans as he walked past. (laughs) 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 Which, uh, I think if that's, if you're an opposition fan looking at that you think who's this kind of crazy egomaniac yeah. well if if he's on your side you think i, I love this guy he's crazy <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's crazy good isn't he and uh you know yeah. I, I like the shot i like the shot of him very good pr of him slightly out of breath in the staff football match that was good where he conveniently scored the winning goal that sort of stuff that <laughs> who's gonna save imagine. the effort of the club owner i've, I've got the footage in, in, in my in my brain like somebody slide tackling him about two meters away oh you went past me tony good dribble <laughs> and then the keeper diving over the ball Jed Steer diving <laughs> yeah. over his own crossbar <laughs> yes. and, it, and it will become like this immortal thing where Dr. Tony would have invented the winning goal, much like Doug Ellis invented the bicycle <laughs> kick. And tennis. <laughs> that, yeah, and, ten- and NFL as well. I'm expecting to see, uh, you know, at the back of the whole tent where they've got the, the, the spray-painted uh, uh, European Cup team holding the, yeah, holding the yeah, trophy yeah. left. I'm yeah. expecting a, a Dr. Tony mural to appear. <laughs> Holding the staff cup aloft. Because one of the questions in uh, the survey I did just as the season kicked off was to kind of rate, you know, how you felt about Dr. Tony after the first mm. season, bearing in mind we we finished in the lower half of the league. But uh, a lot of love. I mean, most I think the average was pretty much 8 out of 10. And, you know, that's about mm. 400 people voting. I think, as we've said before, that, that as, a, as a PR guy and as a as a Mr. Positivity, you can't really floor or fault no. him, can you? And, you know, the money that's been stumped is, you know... Yeah. Yeah, but when people say, oh, he's the best thing that's ever happened to this club, blah, 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 you, you do want to ask him, uh, what? He hasn't done anything yet. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's a nice actually, guy. Nice guy, no fun question. guy. Actually, he hasn't done anything yet. So let's let's Reserve just uh, that, let's yeah. just wait on that before we do whitewash over that European Cup winning memorial at the back of the Holt and uh, <laughs> put one of him up. We made that mistake already by naming the Witten Lane stand the Doug Ellis stand. Oh, the, mm, the infamous birthday present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, about that. If the letters accidentally fell off the stand. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, move on. So the Ipswich game. Hmm. I thought we played really well. Yeah, it it was kind of more of a natural follow-on from the QPR game uh, mm-hmm. rather than that Sunderland game, which was uh, totally a bit agree. of a mess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and we lost to Ipswich last season, so. This was mm. a game we were... I mean, the fact that Ipswich didn't even get a shot on target. I mean, they, they scored, uh, obviously, when they charged into Sam Johnson. Uh, I think most fans saw the uh, the linesman uh, yeah. or the ref blowing for that. Yeah, so yeah. it didn't really escalate into anything. No. But uh, apart from that, their right back, who uh, was on his ass twice to mm. uh, let Adomar in, he, he whizzed one over the bar. But apart from that, it was kind of a controlled uh, execution of uh, Ipswich, I thought. 
I thought that was that's pretty accurate to be honest I thought they were the visitors were really one dimensional I don't, I don't think they especially after they conceded the goal I think that that, that was their game plan shot they were yeah. stereotypically a Mick McCarthy team you know quite uncompromising physical where they needed to be but they, they weren't inventive or creative at, at all really and um, no. I have to say when, when you looked at you know, players like Snodgrass had the had the brain and the quality and, and the physicality to match that Whelan all day long bossed that area in and around the front of the defence and actually you know even created a Doma's uh, first goal yeah you know won all the won everything in, in and around there yeah, I mean he, he robbed a few of the players uh, blindly uh, all in possession yeah yeah, yeah. All afternoon, and I have to say as well, um, with Yedinak though he went off injured, and that's that's a broader concern possibly. I think the introduction introduction of Samba, who I think Bruce was probably just doing a rotation job here, wasn't it? That yeah. that just played into our hands really. That though Samba, I've written on my site, you know, he's not cultured by any means, but he's so damn effective at what he does. He's just physically, he's an. What does he do? What does he do? I think it's just it's it, one. I think it's presence that if you've got a man who is ginormous bearing down on you, and his positioning is actually very good as well. You know, he has, he's marauding around that. You draw a circle around in between yeah. the fullback and, and his and his and his spot in the middle. Um, one of the highlights of the game. I mean, <laughs> apart from the goals, which the goals by Adama were very very well taken. Like Superb it's almost goals. like it's almost like when he got the ball, when he picked up the ball, he, it's almost like he dropped his heart rate. Just yeah. in terms of how composed and yeah. I mean it's it's hard, it's hard to do it justice yeah. but it was you know it was so yeah. calm collective and just poetic almost if you put classical music on in the background you probably uh, probably I'm, got I, the perfect soundtrack I'm glad you I'm glad you're starting to pick up on this I, I, I said something after the QPR game that I think it's only on reflection actually and they take the QPR goal where he burst through and he, and he drove that fine goal in across the goalkeeper to win the game Yeah, I think in, a, in an age of football where you see so many goals and you you live in the moment and with, with lots of media now that you like you say those two goals how, how often has it been and it's probably thinking back it's only with players like Benteke they're few and far between when we had them you can say do you know what naturally very good technically very good bang in form and like you say they have that composure where you know Adoma yeah. scores all types of goals all types of goals very very well you know that you, you can't compare and contrast the two goals he scored against Ipswich really because he picks that ball up when he, when uh, Whelan heads it down to him he has to negotiate his way through those many side on to goal and before flicking it over the goalkeeper you know a really really great goal and the second one he's got it all to do not to mention after he's broken through it's, he, has, he has the thing that I think bothers strikers so much time you know he has so much time to think about what he's going to do and it's a yeah. fantastic finish. Uh, I just realised I've segued from uh, glorifying Samba's 30 seconds of magic <laughs> where, he, where he picked up the ball. I mean, let's forget about Adomar. He's had, yeah. he's had too much praise over the last, like, 48 hours. Picks up the ball in his own half, looks up, sees, uh, I think it was their left winger, cuts inside him, like, goes round yes. him, and then looks up and... I think one of their midfielders runs in to ch- uh, close him down Big and he just, just bullets the ball as hard as possible <laughs> at, at this guy's face may he rest in peace you can see his soul fly up <laughs> above the roof of the Villa Park and in, into the sky there was a couple of instances like that across the game because that, that guy did go down like you think oh shit he's actually killed him and <laughs> <laughs> and then there was another moment in the game where some idiot thought it would be a good idea to go studs up on Alan Hutton. And I thought, Christ, they're going to have to start digging the grave now for this guy because he's, <laughs> he's finished. But Samba, 
Samba is, um, I think, unfairly. Because this guy, I mean, yeah. let's, let's go back. He was getting paid 100. Some a fucker lot. was paying him 100 grand. <laughs> well, I think a couple of clubs ended up paying him 100 grand a they week. Did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think QPR were paying him mega bucks, weren't they, when they, when they brought yeah, him Yeah, no, them there. and uh, who was it? I can't, the, the Russians also, uh, <laughs> I can't remember which team. Was it Locomotive? Yeah, Locomotive uh, Moscow, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with him. If we're in the Premier League, it's a different story. I mean, mm. when you're playing teams like Manchester City... No, you know, Samba, yeah. but I prefer him to Zach Knight. Put it that way, yeah, I, I and, think I, and I think at yeah. this level, it's not a problem. It's not a problem, and I, I think alongside a player like Chester as well, who's much more of a natural ball player. Because Samba also has got like a default mode as well. When the ball comes to him and there's not a forward pass, that ball's going back to Johnston every single time. Yeah, I, I haven't. I think some fans will moan and groan at that. I haven't got a problem. I'd rather that than he did. You know, for years we've had two centre halves, and what they would do is lump the ball to bloody nobody. Yeah. yeah, I'd rather retain possession if, if, if we've got nothing on. People have given a Nomar. I thought he, I didn't think he had the best game of it. He was like the fulcrum for a lot of mm. the attacks, and he got the ball in good positions. But sometimes I don't know if it was like just bad luck, rubber the green. But it, you know, that kind of final ball didn't uh, come off in this particular instance. But I think he he, he just gives that Villa midfield a hell of a lot more dim- dimension when we are going forward. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It wasn't his best game. I think what, what you get with a Nomar is he links fantastically well with Davis. He's a very real good connection there. And he does it with pace. Like, for example, if Grealish gets, if Grealish is playing in the same position, when Grealish gets the ball, it's, it almost slows the game down a little yeah. bit, while, yeah. while a Nomar almost picks the pace up when he gets the ball. I, and I think as well, you, I make comparisons to quite regular as you probably see through Twitter and things I always look well, who, who else could be in our squad or who was in our squad and you look at a Nomar and you put him you know do the comparison between him and say a Gary Gardner the yeah. the technical attributes the physicality that that burst of pace the the, the clever one-twos heads straight up and he's direct at the goal or he's thinking right how do I you know links very well with a Domar as well on that they're playing little triangles to get one another in and again wasn't his best game against Ipswich but he's, he's the difference I think he, it's one of those players that a midfield ticks around him yeah, I mean, you look at them. Look at the mentality of all the all the midfielders. Actually, Snodgrass, Anomar, Hurahan, uh, Davis. Uh, I mean, he's a forward, but his mm. mentality when they get the ball. They drive and they go yeah. forward. And this was a yeah. big problem. We had so many crabs in that team yeah. over the last few years. I mean, you'd have to include Petrov as a crab as well at a certain point mm-hmm. because he, w- he was initially signed to be an attacking midfielder, but then O'Neill played him as a as a DM most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. And then that's when he started to get a lot, a lot more conservative in his mindset when playing mm-hmm. and would be playing sideways and backwards. But now we get the ball and, and they, look, they look to go forward. And this is something they've been working on. Bruce and Steve Rounds... Uh, on the training field because I remember speaking to Steve Rounds when we were chatting at this consultation group meeting and he, you know, he was saying I think I've mentioned it before on the show that if a player had a forward pass on and they played it sideways or uh, backwards they basically blow a whistle yeah. and uh, give them a bollocking if they did that if they took and the easy the option <laughs> so well, exactly so this was something they were drumming into them and it's obviously been uh, like a mantra at the club so it's, it's good to see that paying off finally so when you've got players like that driving forward and then you've got Whelan doing starting to do his job very well now uh, in consecutive games one of the questions it leads to now is uh, what do you do with Yedinak 
Yeah. I think it's a short-term injury, is it not? It's it's more of a uh, was it a shoulder charge or something? What happened was the ball the ball was played. I think uh, got in between him and, and Taylor. The man got goal side of him. Yedinak managed to get goal side again and, and made the interception. But the momentum of the Ipswich player took them both over, and I think fell on Yedinak's. So I thought it looked the way he went down. I thought it looked like a collarbone type injury or something like that. Yeah, it's more yeah. the shoulder and arm, and he he couldn't run with the arm from what I could see. And uh, where does Yedinak fit? in I mean let's say he's not injured or not mm. long termly at least you couldn't really take Whelan out and put him in and think, uh, do you go for him again at centre back because you know yeah. Samba's the thing is we will come up to it in a second uh, so many games in December yes that for like Samba to be playing like six or so games in December is kind of unrealistic so you would imagine a bit of rotation between yeah. those two, even though you know rotating your centre backs isn't the greatest idea in terms of uh, familiarity, etc. But uh, I think that's his role, and also as the enforcer that comes on with 15 minutes to go, as Bruce likes to do, just to see out the game. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think what you'll see is exactly that. You've got he was bought for rotation. Samba was ultimately bought for rotation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think what you'll see probably now is dependent upon the injuries. Um, a combination of things really that there'll be fatigue Whelan's probably just for the role that he's got he's probably got the stamina I, I think but there might be occasions where I don't know after a particular Leeds might be a good example of this that if you know if, if Whelan's got a, a real job on over 60, 70, 80 minutes and then you want to introduce a Yedinak as as we saw last season he becomes either the third centre half in, in essence in the final yeah. 5 or 10 minutes when you're shutting out that's a tactic Bruce likes or, you know, straight swapping for Whelan if you've got a Samba or, or whoever in there. I think we'll see a combination of any three, really. And then when Davis tires, you just bring on uh, Almo and play him as centre-forward. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's the new the new tactic. Davis had a good game against Ipswich mm. in terms of like a real blue-collar grafting performance. I mean, what we don't have as a striker who's somebody who's like poaching and mm. uh, he's the foundations for Villa going forward. So, you know, people are starting to go, well, he doesn't score many goals. But I mean, initially, uh, when he started playing he was he hit the woodwork about mm-hmm. three three times over across about four games i think davis is a very good player good player he'll have one or two chances but he is the foundations for most of you know villa's attack going forward when he gets the ball he's direct and he turns lost causes into opportunities and he's you know powerful has a good turn of pace yeah, yeah. obviously you'll need to score goals because uh, at the moment we've only got one striker but the good news is old uh, Adomar what do you think is the secret to Adomar who when you look statistically across his career mm. he's way up a, on, on his average for Middlesbrough for example and you know he played over 100 odd games for them but uh, I think it's at the moment it's because because he's starting off on the left wing and he's drifting in yeah. and it's becoming a pain to pick up because obviously the right back will suddenly it gets to a certain point where the right back will say uh, well this is the centre back's job to pick him up and because he drifts in so centrally and quickly and he's very direct with his with his running that it's uh, he's finding a lot of space do you know I think it's for those reasons exactly and I think there's, there's a there's a symptom of modern football about when you watch certain teams especially how Adoma profits and it's a, a bit of links into that movement that, that you're talking about modern footballers don't seem to be able to cope with the unpredictable things that don't happen outside of like almost like a training scenario I'll give you another example across the pitch of teams that it's bizarre that they can't you know players almost seem so rigid to a style of, of playing and defending watch when yeah. Hutton bursts out of defence and cuts inside 
initially to like an advanced centre back position, then into centre midfield. Teams don't even, some players don't seem intelligent enough to read that. A very common thing, even 10, 15 years ago in football. Snodgrass does the same thing. How, how have people not worked but that out? But to be fair, in, <laughs> with the Hutton example, they're, they're just letting him go. <laughs> yeah, he's a lost cause. <laughs> he's not going to do anything in the final third. Just let him run with it. But, but you, you take my point that, that Adoma can, you know, if you just, people. You can't just say right. Oh, he's a, he's a he's a winger because he doesn't. He's a he's a striker, isn't he? That he just happens to start on the yeah. wing, in my view. And I think he profits as well. His positional sense is very good. You know, he scored a couple of goals. Like I think one of the I forget who it was against Neighbour, where Codger Air kicks it and he's there to to slam it in at the back post. Those sort of goals as well. Poacher, really. We'll talk uh, about the upcoming game against Leeds. Mm. Before we get on to that, please do, uh, if you're listening on iTunes, give us a, uh, a rating, preferably five stars. And if you want to review it, say what you want if you give it five stars. But that helps, <laughs> uh, I don't know how it helps, but I think it helps in the uh, the iTunes uh, metric and algorithm of hopefully pushing it forward to uh, people who might uh, enjoy the show. Also, uh, tell your Villa buddies about the show if they're not listening already. Follow us on Twitter also at it's got its own dedicated twitter account so you can put in any points that you want discussing that's at aston villa pod and if you want to support the show and make sure it uh, marches on into the new year please do become a my old man said patron go to my and the patron uh, option on the menu just click that and all the details will be there thank you very much now we're getting into the stage of the season mm. where we're going to know if we're men or boys because December, not only a lot of games, six games across December starting with uh, the visit to Leeds. Mm. Look at Leeds, look at Derby, look at Sheffield United, Middlesbrough. These are all competitors for the promotion spots and mm. we've got four away trips out of those six. So Leeds, uh, strange happenings at Leeds because you, you don't know whether to take them seriously yet. It's quite a typical season of, of what they normally have, isn't it? They, you always think, oh, right, they'll be up there, and they somehow manage to collapse in on themselves at some point. I, I think the difference this year is they sort of had their collapse early, and maybe they will have a resurgence. I don't know. Yeah, I'm wary of Leeds. I have to admit, I don't know how you feel. They were a tough nut to crack last season. Mm. It's one of those games. If you're looking at those six games and you think if we get a draw against Leeds, then you know Good that's reason. probably going to be all right. Yeah, yeah. But in the same breath, if we beat Leeds, then I'm thinking, hello, here we go. This could be uh, <laughs> onto the uh, automatic promotion spots. We march. I mean, you take a draw, and that's there's no shame in that. But uh, if you want to lay down a marker, that's the one to win. Yeah, I, I agree too. I think you'll have a lot of you'll have a lot of fans as well looking at that game, particularly on the Friday night, as as a bit of a I don't know a, a test really, because we win that game and it, it puts us up into third, and it's it, you can almost sit back sit back on the weekend and watch how things pan out. And I, I've mentioned before, both on this podcast and and, and to you separately, really, that I think that the first stage of, of becoming competitive and saying, right, we've got a promotion threat in this league is making winning a norm. Well, we've been on a... We had a, a good run before we lost to Wednesday. We've come back out the other side of the, the international break and we've put three wins together in a week. That's that's real progress on last season and, and seasons before by in anyone's book. But the, the ultimate tests are, as, as we've been alluding to for a number of weeks, really, that that's your platform, isn't it? Now you need to go into games like Leeds. You need to go to places like Derby, Middlesbrough. Yeah. And uh, pro- well, definitely not lose them. But as you say, that the the narrative changes from oh Villa Villa are getting better and they're in and around the the, the playoffs to bloody hell they've gone and stuck another nine points on the board, because that that gets you Sheffield United's thinking, that gets you Cardiff City's thinking, and yeah. it's kind of like the aura that that Wolves are starting to carry because they've not had a blip this season of any real note. 
But if you've got someone no. chugging along just behind you, it keeps you thinking, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it puts pressure. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I mean, Leeds were doing all right at home, but then they lost, weirdly, they lost three home games Mm. on the trot. Mm -hmm. Losing against Reading, Sheffield United and Derby. Mm. Uh, Wolves recently thumped them four one, but uh, Leeds Leeds are kind of fifty fifty away uh, away from home. I mean, Brentford beat them comfortably recently as well. So the fact that they've lost three of their last four home games suggests that all is not totally well there. And uh, this is yeah. a good time to go there, I think, especially when you consider Villa's uh, away form. I think in uh, the last six games, in terms of their away mm. away games, uh, they're they're second in the league in terms of away form. Oh, I mean, we're in much better nick than when we went there last season. That's for sure, because that that was a bit of a scary game. I think we we drew, didn't we? Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those. It's a barometer type of game, isn't it? That if you go there and you lose and it's a bit stuffy, you think, you know, like how the Wolves game was when we went to Molyneux yeah. and you thought, oh, you know, we, we looked. We look far away from being an automatic promotion contender. But I do think, again, we've evolved in that time. And you think, God, you know, despite the injuries, we actually look like quite a good unit. So actually, I think that Friday could be quite telling. Not necessarily for our broader season, but I think it will, it will tell us, you know, is this going to be, as you say, one of those seasons where you go, hello? This is this is going to be a real, yeah. you know, a real belter of honour. Actually, there's there's still some work to be done here to make sure that we we anchor ourselves to to fourth and maybe hope for something a bit more. But realistically, that's about our level at the moment. I would say uh, the Derby away game will be probably be tougher. I agree. Yeah, could be. They're the team that are kind of happening at the moment. Also, uh, Middlesbrough away is not going to be any picnic. I mean, we should have beaten them last time when we were against ten men. Yes. <laughs> but Middlesbrough, they're like Leeds. They've been very inconsistent, you know, e- even from week to week. We've also got to play uh, our friends, the pub team. I, I think Millwall's at, uh, an important game, don't you? The game to follow the Leeds game. Yeah, and Millwall as well. I mean, Millwall's is, is a game you've got to win, really. Yeah, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's at home, so you expect it. But I think of all those six, Derby is... Uh, Probably the toughest game. Gary Rowlett, Blues must look at him and look at Derby now and uh, just wonder what the hell you know their owners were doing. He's he's really got his act together. Probably at this stage, I I think they're more 
contenders than, you know, mm. for example, Sheffield United, even Cardiff in terms of the final promotion spots. I kind of uh, rate Derby at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I stick to what I, I mean, egg on my face later in the season with Cardiff. I just, I just think with teams like that, when uh, over 46 games, a lot depends on injuries, suspensions, um, and yeah. also what other teams around them do. You know, Sheffield United is another one. They conceded five goals at home to, to Fulham the other day I yeah. think when that happens that shows you've got a, a massive chink in your armour and that actually gives me a lot of hope I think that you know they, they've got up there they've, they've won their games they've, they're doing well but you know these they've got some injuries as well mm. I mean this is the thing it's not just Villa who've got injuries and yeah. this is where the fact that we have got a let's say the strength and depth in the squad yeah. uh, that may be a telling factor because yeah. Yeah. sometimes the mentality about injuries is fans think that it's only their team who've got injuries but uh, there's a lot of teams at the moment who are missing kind of key players as well. So, you know, it's kind of a war of attrition. I don't want to say, oh, this is the championship, as Steve Bruce always says. It, actually, I, I hate it when, when he says that. Oh, you know, the championship. Ah, that's the championship. I think that's the saying, isn't it? Yeah. That's the championship. Yes. <laughs> but it is a bit of a war of attrition. And uh, I think even though we're Codger down and uh, Terry down, I think Terry will get back. Hogan, pfft, is he going to be relevant ever for Villa? We will find out. But he's, you know, he should be back uh, around Christmas time. What a present that will be! <laughs> oh, one one thing. Talking of Christmas, I'm just thinking about Terry's injury over mm. the Christmas period. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that was Von, Ron Villar's little trick as well. He was used to go missing at Christmas. Every mm. Christmas would always get injured. We we always used to. Well, we didn't used to do the podcast then, but uh, I always used to joke uh, on the site that it was almost like he had a second job in uh, in Holland as a Father Christmas. <laughs> that he had to. Uh, <laughs> go off to the shopping centre to fulfil his contract over Christmas time. That's why he was always injured over Christmas. Old Marshmallow Ron. (laughs) Concrete Ron. (laughs) Finally, uh, out of those six games, how many points will make you uh, happy as you're roasting marshmallows on your Christmas log fire? How content? What kind of points, Tally, do we need? How many wins? So we've got possible 18 points. I think I'd be happy with something in the region of... Four away games, although that doesn't matter now, because home and away, we are always good. <laughs> we, don't, um, we don't care where we, where we play now. Is it greedy to want 15? 15 or 50? <laughs> I'll take 50 if there's a terrible administrative oversight at the, at the Football League, but is it greedy to want 15 from the 18? Uh, statement so of you, intent. So you're talking about a loss there? Potentially. If we got through those six games and won five of them... That's got to be good, hasn't it? Is it? Yeah, but it, it's so uncharacteristic. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it probably isn't looking back at our form, because, you know, you, you look at that Sheffield Wednesday defeat. Yeah, but look at that. I mean, Sunderland wasn't that great. And we're going up... Let's say we're going up a level now in competition. As we just said, we are playing four of those games, no disrespect to... Mm. Brent, Brentford and Millwall, but four of the the other four are, are legit promotion candidates, and potentially all could feature in the playoff places at least. So what are you saying? What's your call? Uh, <laughs> now that you've bagged mine out, come on. <laughs> let's do uh, three, two, one. That would be eleven points. Mm-hmm. Not three enough, wins. Not enough. Three wins, two draws, and a and a loss. 
That's not enough for me. But, but considering it's four away games, it's not bad. I'm not having that. Not having that. <laughs> I'm not having it. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean that's, I'm, I'm being very conservative there. <laughs> no, I, I see where you're coming from. Now, I would like to say four wins there. Yeah. Let's, I mean, that's, if I, we, we weren't talking about nailing on exact points, I would say you want four wins there regardless of the other two results. Okay, okay. One thing Villa are starting to do, they've got away from that drawing habit. Yes. Not as distinctly as uh, Nottingham Forest, who have not even drawn one game this season. They've won, won nine, lost ten, which is uh, just crazy, uh, that's exception, crazy football. Yeah. But if we can get four wins there, uh, that's the bottom line. That would be good. If we get what you're saying, 15 points, then it's happy days, I think. I think we'll be top two by the uh, the turn of the year if we get five wins, put it that way. We'll reconvene when we've got 18. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we want to bring in an end segment that people look forward to while they're listening to the early parts of the show and also, you know, raises a few smiles. So we're thinking of like some kind of Villa Agony Ant type thing or another idea was to do something called Under the Hammer after Thomas Hitzelsberger, after he followed me on Twitter, after somebody I know, a friend of mine, went to a conference with him in Germany and told him to follow uh, my old man said, and um, mm. yeah, he obliged. So the idea is, you know, if you've had arguments at games over d- different players or, uh, you know, what Bruce is doing, or even, you know, retrospectively in Villa history, if you think one player is better than the other, or, you know, if you've got a, any kind of Villa-related problem, the idea was we could do something like Under the Hammer, where we discuss this... And as judges come up with our verdict uh, to, you know, what is the uh, the answer to that dilemma. So if you've got anything, uh, email them to us or uh, drop us uh, messages on Twitter at Aston Villa Pod. I've got a couple in. Uh, the first one, uh, Ali Hamad says, personally, I'm fed up of, I think we've got a Bruce fan here. Personally, I'm fed up of reading about Bruce the dinosaur, Bruce out, football isn't good enough. It's fans like these who expect too much and completely dominate the fan forums. We have a proven manager who is capable of getting teams promoted. The football isn't great, but we are getting results. Get over it. Right in there, Ali. He doesn't really want a discussion on this. <laughs> it's more of a statement than a question, to be honest, Ali. It's a, it's a statement. <laughs> so uh, in terms of uh, the, the Bruce debate, I mean, as we've said all this season, we're not big Bruce fans as in like he's the ultimate manager. Mm, mm. Bruce at the moment, is it is what it is. Uh, and is he the horse for the course? Uh, I think I think he is. Mm. Uh, he's Certainly with the resources he's being granted. Yep. You know, at the start, we defended that situation where after like three games, Games, people were calling for his head, which was absolutely ridiculous. It was that was hysteria, which was uh, mass hysteria, as as he called it. Because I mean, these are the people who, when we signed him. I mean, I, you know, I've seen their tweets when we signed him. He's the perfect man for the job. He can't get any better. This is great. This is a magnificent signing. This is fantastic. He's you know he's the perfect guy. And then they lose two games at the start of the season. Oh, it's got to be Bruce out now mm. for me. I'm sorry, but it's got to be Bruce out. And the concerning thing is, these are allegedly people who have the ear of key influencers at the club and, and there was a couple of interesting things is that I suppose that thank God they didn't listen to any of these inane individuals because the transformation that we've been through as a football club it's not just down to Bruce but actually I think that he's in certain areas he's, he's dragged us kicking and screaming in a certain direction to, to improve us the away form being one you know that that, just yeah. that, that comes jumps to the front of my mind um, and actually we're 
you know, we've, we've touched upon it in this show that we've taken the midfield. For years, we've been like a ball and chain had a midfield that's been, for, be it coaching, be it personnel, so unfit for purpose that it's that it's in part been down for our downfall. And for the first time in many years, we've actually got a midfield. However, it's been thrown together because it has been at times. It's forward thinking and it's attacking and, you know, we're fourth. And that's, the, you know, and you, you wind back to when the first couple of games when people are calling for the guy's head and having just recruited all those players and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And, and that's what I sort of agree with Ali. People have got to get with a picture sometimes. Yeah, it's an interesting situation because but there's a lot of ifs first. I mean, if Bruce leads us to the promised land at the end of the season, then mm. there's question marks about whether is he the manager of the next team rebuild? Mm. Because that team will have to be massively rebuilt because, you know, as we discussed last time, uh, many of the key players are on loan. Yep. A couple of the key players are like uh, OAPs. Mm-hmm. So uh, they do have to start from scratch. Now, is Bruce a Premier League manager? Well, I mean, his calling card for this league was four promotions. Now, the calling card in the Premier League reads relegations. Yep. So uh, yep. that's that's going to be a you know that's going to be discussion uh, at the time. So with that in mind, I mean, if we don't make promotion uh, this season, then other question marks will you know be aimed at his head as well. Because similarly, Villa will not have the same team. Because another thing that's going to kick in is players like Chester will suddenly start to think, well, actually, I want to play in the Premier League. I'm good mm. enough. Mm. Uh, you failed on your promise for quick promotion. So uh, see you later, guys. And he will be bought. Mm. So would Bruce keep his job then? So what the situation is, I think it's time, you know, the people who doubt him every time we lose a game, it's like, well, let's leave the questions about whether he should be the boss to the end of the season, because whatever league we're in next season, it's going to be a question to be asked, but, you know, and ask it then. Because at the moment, it's all about, I mean, you know, look at that Sunderland game and how quiet Villa Park was. What, What are the supporters doing? I mean, supporters should be there getting behind the team rather than just turning up and watching and just waiting to criticize if they don't do a job when you're when you're going for a promotion i mean if we're fucking around uh relegation mid-table then you know whatever it's an open season but we've got to start to rally round now and and go for it i mean sunderland the atmosphere of sunderland was bizarre it's one of the strangest atmospheres at home i've I've been to for for a long while actually it wasn't a great people have got their their often valid points on the on the standard and quality of the football that we see and, and and I sit on the fence on this one I want to see free-flowing attacking football I want to see inventive styles of play and whatnot and we've kind of had a mix of we've had all all sorts over the last 10-15 years at Villa Park haven't we to, to varying degrees of success but in the here and now we need results and I've it's a phrase I'm probably becoming a bit of a broken record for here and, and on my own blog is that we need to park it we need to park it it's not it's we've just got to get out of this division kicking and screaming and and all the things that you've just said are right that that actually will open up the real question around where where is Aston Villa going in the the medium to long term and it doesn't include in my head at least two thirds of the current squad and yeah. the the question exactly at the end of this season is does that include Bruce that's that can't be answered now that's the key thing yeah it's very much cart before the horse yeah. And at the moment, we're riding the horse and the the destination is promotion. And that's where we've got to end up at before we start asking those questions. You know, to be honest, I think that the football is better than it has been. So, you know, in that respect, at least we're moving uh, in a positive kind of direction as well. Right. The second question for Under the Hammer or whatever we we call this segment of the show is uh, from Scott H. in Salford. Ross McCormack, due back from his loan at Melbourne City in January, would we have him back in the squad and is he the answer to our striker injury problem? 
What's your mm. thoughts? Hmm. He's obviously got previous with Bruce, so the likelihood is that there's a big question mark there. I think if you wanted to move him on, I don't think he'd be attractive. I'm certain we wouldn't recoup anything near the fee that we that we outlaid, and wages is, is probably a separate matter. On the other hand, we're probably one injury away up front from having to either buy someone, and we may have to do that anyway, given some of the rumblings in the in the press, yeah. or, or we might have to swallow our pride. Um, and it could be that we, we're, we're forced, because are we going to have blind luck like we had with Davis being turning out to be a top-quality striker, potentially? Is, is Hepburn Murphy, you know, people have been saying this, I was reading social media or one of, one of the press reports, It was, in fact, it was a Birmingham Mail report, you know, Hepburn Murphy is back. Yeah. <laughs> As though he's been, he's been some sort of... Influence that we've that we've missed, uh, you know. I've... The Birmingham Mail write more articles on Hepburn Murphy than I've probably written on Codger Benteke and Adomar since I, since I started the blog. And you know, we've seen Hepburn Murphy mm. a couple of times in the last couple of seasons. You know, for the under twenty threes, and there was that one moment where I, I remember turning to you, where I think it was against Norwich under twenty threes, mm. where somebody put him through, and he was clean on goal, and he think right he's well he's he's known he's meant to be known for his pace so he thought he, he was going to burst away from the center back who was running after him and then obviously you know fire it down the throat of the keeper yeah but the, the defender caught up with him and dispossessed him yeah yeah, before yeah. you know, as he got into the eighteen-yard box, and he and I just turned to you and said, "I think that's the moment where we know he's not going to be the man that uh, the Birmingham Mail certainly, uh, you know, are kind of rooting him to be." I hope we see something, but you know, he's he's been usurped by Davis in the pecking order, a guy who was not even at the club a couple of years ago. Yeah. The, the other thing I was thinking about, well, off the back of our last podcast, we because we touched upon uh, Hepburn Murphy as well, is that I was thinking back to when you mentioned you went to see him. At, uh, there was a pre-season game at Telford, and he came on. And he had made a bit yeah. of an influence, bit of a. Uh, he did actually that's two yeah, years yeah. ago really and that's two pre-seasons ago in real terms yeah. and i know he's had injuries and yada 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 but you would have thought at this level over that time scale we would have seen something because at the moment largely what we've got is hearsay and it looks exactly. promising and that's it you would look at McCormack, who, I mean, there was these rumours, and it's almost like somebody's out to get him. Uh, mm, mm. When in Australia, these rumours broke out that he hadn't turned up for training or he was late. And uh, mm. and then fast forward to the, the first press conference for, uh, from the manager for their next game. And, you know, he said, well, that was a load of rubbish. And mm. he's actually been injured. And he actually came to uh, he came to the club injured from Aston Villa with an Achilles problem. So uh, That's interesting. And he said McCormack's been good around the squad and, you know, really got stuck into it and he's obviously you'll say their top scorer Mm. so it's not as if he's flaked off so he's obviously fighting uh, because he wants to you know rescue his career I mean there's two things A he may have like I mean you know if I was him I'd stay in Melbourne just for the life <laughs> just for the lifestyle but uh, having having yeah. lived in Australia for a couple of years so uh, people forget about that side of things I mean if you can still get paid what you're getting paid and live in uh, Australia it's like you know it's all good yeah. so but yeah, so maybe um, he won't come back maybe he's due back but maybe <laughs> You just won't get on the bloody plane. <laughs> but no, uh, so, no. well, you know, whether they extend his uh, loan or whatever, but he's been written off. So, mm. what better way than to come back to Villa, actually give us uh, some value to the money we've actually paid for you, and lead us over the line uh, yeah. in promotion by, uh, you know, putting in a few goals? And, you know, I'd take him over Hepburn Murphy because he's done it. Mm. Mm. It also depends what's available. Uh, you know, I can see. 
Bruce will be uh, trying to bring in a little loan from somewhere because I don't think there'll be a splash in the cash because, I mean, look at what they've done on the forwards, Hogan and McCormack. Uh, and, he, and, you know, potentially now Codger because he might not even feature this season. Well, that's what I mean, that we're probably one injury away from having a genuine... I don't think it's crisis point now. People refer to it as a crisis. It's not a crisis yet. There was a moment in the first half against Ipswich where Adoma went down after a bit of a, wasn't a rough yeah. challenge, but he stayed down for 30 seconds. And, uh, you know, you get those knowing looks from people around you where you think, oh, God, this is the moment where our season turns to yeah. dust. Yeah, because... and, and that's, a, that's a very good point. It It is quite brittle at the moment mm-hmm. in, in terms of key positions. I mean, midfield, we're all right. We've got like Lansbury and Grealish on the bench that if both of those actually step up and fulfil their potential would be okay well that's it i think it's interesting those players aren't getting picked don't you i think that we're brittle in the sense that you gave an example earlier where of different styles of play you know and and an omar being more forward thinking and pacey and direct than a grealish i think lansbury i think the fact he hasn't managed to force his way into this team is 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 telling really over that you know that the, the Bruce has got a way of playing but the fact that I know he's had a bit of an injury and whatnot but he's hardly set the world on fire since he's been here either um, no I think that's one of me it's I'm just bringing it back to the striker thing I think that's the point that we we can't sustain any more injuries on top of the injuries that we've got across the team I don't think at the moment in conclusion on the McCormack what I would say is I would keep an open mind yes. until yes. Uh, January January appears. I mean, I, I wouldn't make any decisions at the moment. I mean, who knows what the, the real picture is, but from uh, what we can see from afar, an uh, open mind on that one, I would say. Absolutely. Right, and with our open minds, till the next show, which will uh, discuss what happened uh, at Ellen Road. Hopefully there won't be any more crushes and people being carried off their feet and risking their lives uh, like there were last time. Uh, mm. Until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. My old man said November 25th. Miss you all. We'll back soon. Hashtag OTV. Love you. Love you lords. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.